Good morning, church. Uh, about two, uh, three weeks ago, I began talking about faith, and I'm going to get more into that in the in the weeks coming. Um, but today, I want to do something special. I want to talk about faith, continue on what I was talking about before last week, which was Easter. But I want to bring in uh, the experience that the disciples had right after the resurrection and talk about faith together with what was going on at those moments right after his resurrection. So we just thank you, Lord, for this word, and I just pray, God, you bring it up and out, Lord. Use my mouth to speak your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want you to uh, think about this. There is more real in the unseen than what is seen. What you can see is temporary, and what you cannot see is eternal. Uh, I wanted to uh, get more into this deeper faith. Uh, There is a faith in God that is a faith in the God of the miracle and not only a faith to see the miracle. Amen. Who, are, who knows that's the church that we are, right? We are a church who has faith in the God of the miracle and not only a faith to see the miracle. I had mentioned over those last couple of weeks that Jesus had so many experiences on the earth doing miracles that the Bible says that if we were to write them all down, we don't have enough room to contain them all, right? Who's ever heard that, right? And yet, we also know that when, the came, when it came time for the cross, that only John was standing there at the cross. And after the cross and Pentecost, uh, we have the 11, we have the Marys, right? Who knows there's a group of Marys. Right? There was a very small group that had gathered, 120, and all the thousands, 5,000 here, 5,000 there, all these things he did, they're, they're putting palm branches below his feet, and one week later, the same exact people are saying, crucify him. There is a faith that we need that is deeper than in the God of miracles. It's the God himself, right? I want us to be a church that prays. Amen. I want to say, let's just raise our hands. We are a church that prays. We are a church that believes God. We are a church that prays in the name of Jesus to see breakthroughs and miracles. Amen. And there is a foundation for that kind of faith that is deeper than believing God for the things he can do is believing in the God of the things. Amen. You understand what I'm saying here? The disciples had to go through that process. It was actually a breaking. Everybody say breaking. See, in order to get the oil out, you have to break, right? Even Peter had to be broken. Peter had to deny Jesus until he finally got it. He was struggling, he was fighting, even right up to the cross, 
you know, Peter's there with the sword, strikes off the ear, thinks it needs to be done in the flesh, doesn't quite understand, but he breaks, doesn't he? And Jesus tells him beforehand, but when it happens, uh, you know, I'm going to put it in my own words. I'm going to do something internally, uh, just deal with it, repent, and then encourage your brothers after, right? Because you have to break. You have to go through the place where even Jesus on the cross said to the Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? There is a place of brokenness. There's a place before the miracle, before the things that you're believing God for that seems so hopeless. And see, real faith, the faith that God wants us to have, is faith that can hit that point and still believe God. That we hit the place where we, say, we, we don't even think that God's going to do it anymore. <laughs> and yet we still believe. Does that make sense? And yet there's something we, we dig down deeper and we still believe in him. We still trust him. We don't, have it on, we don't have it figured out. We certainly don't understand. And yet we still believe him. It's that type of faith that I believe the Lord wants us to have. There is a faith, in fact, that bypasses even life itself. It is uh, the type of faith that never sees the thing we're believing for, but we still believe because we hold on to the God of everything. Amen. And we know in the end, he has our best. And one day he will wipe away every tear. One day he will make all things new. And one day, one way or another, whether it's in this earth or in the new one, he will answer every single prayer that was according to his will. Amen. Who believes that? That's the type of faith that God wants us to have. And it is a deep faith and it is in a God who dwells in the unseen. Today, I want to talk about how we need to set our eyes on the unseen. The unseen is more real than the seen. What can be seen uh, will be around for just a little longer, but it will be removed soon forever. God, who lives in the unseen, will step into the scene again. Jesus went up into the clouds, and one day soon he will come again. And after he throws Satan and death into the lake of fire, he will make a new heaven and a new earth, and he will give us new bodies. That means that everything we see will disappear. Everybody say it. Everything I see now will disappear. So that means that there is a faith that we must have in something deeper, right? Even deeper than the things that you're believing God for, right? It's in God himself. I know it seems like a fine line. It seems like I'm even semantics. You're saying, well, I do believe in God. That's why I'm asking him. But you see that the lepers were healed and yet only one came back only one recognized remember the 10 lepers only one recognized Jesus of the healing the others just took the healing and went on and it's so important that see because what will happen is is the devil will come in times of weakness he is not God he is not all-knowing and I don't want to give him much credit but I also even though I want to call him a fool, 
right? Because we don't like him. He is not a fool, though. I mean, he is to God. You understand what I'm saying? But he knows what he's doing when it comes to your flesh. That's why we don't live in the flesh. We live in the spirit, right? That's why I'm, I have to stay in Christ, because there's no match between Christ and Satan. But between my flesh and Satan is a match, and it's a harsh one. And what he will do when you're asking God for things and you're believing for things is try to strike. That's the moment he will hit below the belt. He doesn't fight fair. He will try to shake your faith. He'll try to rock you. Who's ever been there? When you are low, that's the moment where he's going to come and say, God's not even real. God doesn't care about you. God's never going to answer this prayer. How long have you been praying this prayer? Uh, will you just stop praying by now? He's not going to do it, right? Who's ever heard those things, those lies? He's the liar, isn't he? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the liar and has been since the beginning, right? That's what my word says. And so uh, anything that can be shaken will be shaken, but unshakable faith in an unshakable God will remain. So God in the unseen and our spirits, which are unseen, and our faith, which is spiritual, will last into eternity. But our frail bodies, this decaying earth, will pass away. So the unseen is more real than the seen. Does that make sense? If we look at it that way, if everything we see and everything we know passes away, then what we can see is actually what is real. This is a sub-reality. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it'll be like a distant memory. This time here on earth will just be like, you know, uh, you know you're going to have to dig back and find a memory. You'll, you'll be able to dig up the good things and, uh, and, and, and look at it like, okay, yeah, I remember this, this, and that. But all really, uh, you know, wherever we're at in our life, it doesn't matter how old you are, you really can't grasp yesterday, can you? Doesn't matter how fun it was or how bad it was, all it is is like a feeling, isn't it? As much as you try to hold on, right? So that's why then we try to do those things that we enjoyed again, and we try to avoid the things that we didn't enjoy because it produces a feeling. But ultimately, that's all it is, isn't it? Can anybody really hold on to the time that you've had so far, right? James calls it a vapor. So the unseen is the real thing, and the seen is actually a sub-reality. If that's the case, then I want to focus on what is real. Who wants to focus on what's real? What is eternal? What is unshakable? On God himself. I want to focus on the plan and the purpose he has instead of my own earthly desires. I want to be reminded constantly that whatever fault or trial or injustice is only temporary and the eternal things must stay our focus and then we will always be encouraged. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and you know it well, you may know it as we walk by faith and not by sight, right? The NLT says we live by believing and not by seeing. Do you hear that? We live by believing and not by seeing, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? That means that what you see has to come second to what you know in God. My faith in God is actually 
true sight. Faith is actually true sight. What you see with your human eyes has to be filtered very carefully through his word, through our faith in God. This is a hard thing to do because your eyes are telling your mind what you saw. And we were just talking this week, right? We were just saying how <laughs> uh, when they get a criminal to uh, be a witness to a crime, they really want to find another one. They want to find multiple. You know, the criminals uh, will commit a crime. I'm sorry, maybe, hopefully I said that right. They want to find a witness to the crime. Did I say that right? Right? Because what will happen is a mind thinks they saw what they saw, and you can't change it no matter what. No matter what I say, no one is going to change what you say happened and what you saw. In fact, your mind fills in the gap, right? We had some fun with this last Sunday at my house, and, and we were talking about how your mind will fill in missing information. It never happened. It wasn't real, but you can actually get a color picture even video in your brain of a particular person, a particular thing happening. And you're like, no, I saw it happen. I saw it with my own eyes. And, you know, that's proof enough right there that what you see with your eyes cannot be trusted. Isn't that interesting that the Bible said it way before we came up with our criminal justice system that said we need some credible witnesses, and preferably, like the Bible says, you know, 4,000 years ago, two or three witnesses. You know that that's what God said. If, you, if you're going to convict someone, make sure there's at least two or three witnesses. Why? God knew all the way back then that your eyes will lie to you. If there wasn't deceit, let's say that, you know, I wanted to really do something evil to you. I could just lie and say they did something, and, and you know, that's not great, right? That's not a great system because then one person could just gang up on the other person so God said two or three so but even if there was an evil intent I think you did it I think I saw but you're actually deceived and you know that Satan has been deceiving he got Eve to look at the fruit and you know what the word says the word says she saw it and she said it looked good which means she used her natural vision her natural eyes over what God had spoken, he had, been, he had given her a, a special eyesight. Uh, you know, the New Age, Buddhism, Hinduism, they all call it the third eye, right? They call it, you know, because Satan's a copycat. But there is a vision within you that is greater than your natural vision. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus. Who knows blind Bartimaeus, right? He couldn't see Jesus. Meanwhile, the Pharisees and Sadducees could see Jesus. They're watching miracles happen with their own eyes, and they don't want to see them. Blind Bartimaeus hears about them. He has to take their word for it that it's actually happening. He's never seen it. And yet he says, Jesus, have mercy on me, right? Jesus, give me sight. Give me vision. I think what Jesus, I'm going to take a little license here. I think what Jesus could have said is, you already have vision. You want earthly vision, I'll give it to you, but you already have the vision that matters. See, because God doesn't look at the world from our perspective. He is above. 
In fact, if you were to think of God being above, right? If I was to look down upon something versus looking up from something, it's going to look different, isn't it? Obviously, we know that God can see it from all perspectives, but do you understand that the way that God sees things, that's what his word says, is different than our perspective. He is above. He sees things correctly. We see things wrong. Right in this world, uh, we get older. Our eyes begin to deteriorate, right? Your eyes, they become blurry, and they become dim, and some eyes even go blind, right, with enough age. In Christ, isn't it interesting that the older we get in the Lord, the better our vision becomes, right? In this earth, your natural vision will deteriorate. That's not the vision you need. I mean, it's beneficial to get around, and I want to keep it as long as I can. But the real vision I need, the real eyes I need, are my eyes on the Lord, which is in the invisible. The Bible says in Luke 24, uh, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, we call it the walk to Emmaus. Who knows the walk to Emmaus? This was a moment after Jesus' death and resurrection that was still in the time of the disciples in the unknown. No one knew what happened. They had forgotten completely all the things that Jesus had said throughout his time on the earth with them, that he was going to die. It was part of his plan. He even takes Peter aside right in front of them and says, Satan, get behind me. You are seeing things, the NLT says, from a human point of view. He tells Peter that you are seeing things from a human point of view. That my death is part of the plan. That you are seeing things from your perspective. And so they forget that. And here we are walking the seven-mile road to Emmaus from Jerusalem. And it says here in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 13, that same day... Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. This was talking about the crucifixion, talking about what Jesus did. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly appeared out of nowhere. Jesus was in his glorified body, and suddenly he was there with them, and he came and began walking with them. He appeared, he appeared from the invisible into the visible. Who believes Jesus was there all along already? Right? They just couldn't see him. What does your word say? Does it say the same thing mine says? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In fact, Jesus told his disciples beforehand, I will be with you always. He is always with me. And here he enters the visible. Jesus appeared from the invisible into the visible. And we just don't see him with our human eyes, but the Bible talks of eyes that see, referring to spiritual things and not only physical. So the Bible says here in verse 16 that God kept them from 
recognizing him. Now, I don't think that God blinded them here. I think that what this means is that there was a natural blindness upon our flesh. They were limited because of human nature. Their minds had been made up, right? They saw him die on the cross. And if they didn't see it from the distance, you know, secretly watching, they had certainly heard about it now. He was gone. So their minds had created a picture of Jesus in the grave. Jesus dead. Do you understand that? And so for him now to be walking with them is impossible. So their minds couldn't even see him. And God had not yet opened their eyes. So it says in verse 17 that he asked them, what are you discussing? And they said, the things that happened to Jesus, he was condemned to death and they crucified him. Verse 21, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped he was the Messiah. Do you understand, for three and a half years, these men walked with Jesus and saw Jesus do the impossible? Everybody remembers the 5,000, right? The loaves and the fish. And Jesus, you know, not many recognize that that actually happens a second time with 4,000. Does everybody remember that? It's actually two times. Then Jesus says, hey, I want you to recognize the power of my name. I don't even need to be with you physically. I want you to take my name, and I want you to go, and I want you to do the miracles that you see me do in my name. And they go out. These disciples had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Three days after he was dead, they had to unwrap him, right? Unbind him, Annie. It's one of Annie's favorite scriptures, right? Favorite verses. Unbind him. He was gone, completely gone. And yet, they are here in doubt because they saw Jesus die because their eyes could no longer see Jesus. Their faith had been shaken. Do you understand how powerful it is that we set our eyes on the spiritual, on the eternal. Because Satan will try to get your human eyes. And what I say by your human eyes, not just your, your eyes, but your mind's eye. Do you know what that means? You know, that's like the stuff he's got you focused on, you know, the, well, your perception of, of, of your life, you know, the failures and faults and arguments with people going on and all that stuff, right? And it paints this picture of who you are and what life is and your goals and your plans and and there is there is some truth to some of those things right because the holy spirit's trying to get wisdom in there right so some of it's god but most of it's just junk isn't it until we go to his word we get into his presence and we remember again and i like to just do this as often as i can just remember that's right this earth is passing away oh yeah i forgot you know we can forget so quickly all this is passing away and Lord, thank you for the blessings, yes. And Lord, during the hard times, I need to remember that this is only temporary, that this trial is going to produce something in me eternally. And so their human eyes had seen Jesus, and now they didn't see him. So now 
they had gotten into doubt. Their faith was not sight. Their sight was sight. And it needed to be faith. Amen. So the Bible says, this all happened three days ago in verse 22. Then some of the women from our group of his followers, they went to his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. There must have been doubt in their voice or in their hearts because Jesus said this in verse 25. You foolish people. <laughs> Jesus loves us so much. He's so tender loving, isn't he? Jesus was harsh sometimes, wasn't he? Isn't it funny how some people, they judge, you know, you as a Christian, right? And if you do everything right, they could care less. You do one thing wrong, and man, you are Satan himself, right? You do one thing wrong, and man, they get upset at you. And yet, Jesus did everything right. There was no fault in him, no sin in him. But sometimes he spoke pretty harshly, didn't he? I mean, he called a group of religious people, right? A den, of, a den of serpents, a den of snakes. And he said, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe. He said, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What Jesus said is, you used your imagination. You used your senses. You used your natural vision to decide that all that I did with you for three and a half years was for nothing. Or not necessarily for nothing, but wasn't pointing towards what you thought it was, that I am indeed the Messiah, and it was for a purpose, and it was accomplished. And he said that the scriptures have said it all along. The foundation to our faith is that we believe God's word. And the thing about believing God's word is, is that his word is consistent. It never changes. But everything around it is always moving and shaking and changing all the time, isn't it? And what happens is, is the devil capitalizes on everything else moving and shifting and changing, trying to get you to do the same. Instead, we need to stay steady 
to the word. You realize the Old Testament people that believed God never saw the fulfillment and the Messiah, and yet they believed it. They held on to the belief, right? We looked at this in Hebrews 11. They held on to it even to death. I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. They had, I think, the epitome of true faith, which is, if it's going to happen, we believe it. We believe that God is able to save us, and he's going to save us. But, (laughs) nobody likes the but because it sounds like a lack of faith. It's not a lack of faith. They're saying, listen, at the same time, as much as we know God's going to do it, I know something greater. The Bible says, do not fear what they can do to the body. Fear the one, right, and depending on your translation, who judges the soul. In other words, these bodies, this earth, the scene, it will pass away. And you may burn our bodies in that fire, but there's one thing you cannot do. You cannot take my life. Right? Abraham said, he doesn't say it in the Old Testament, but I believe the word, so he, some, somewhere it must have been written or it was perceived by the prophets, but it says in the New Testament, it says that Abraham reasoned that even if Isaac had died on the altar, he didn't, right? Because God stopped him right before, but the Bible says he reasoned that God was just able to bring him back to life again. That's the faith that we need. The faith is in God himself beyond all the things that we're asking him for, the things that we're believing him for, and the things that we see or don't see. I really feel like it's a time in history where people aren't seeing the things that they hoped they would see by now, things they've been praying for. Bible calls it all kinds of names. I don't know if there's an iron heaven. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the darkness or the, the coldness of the hour. Some people say in Africa things happen faster, right, than it happens here because the people have nothing. They're just so desperate. They don't have anything else but to believe God. You know, or other third world types of places. I don't know. But I do feel like the devil is going to try to capitalize on that in this hour and try to get us shaken. And what we need to do is set our eyes on the unshakable. We need to look through the scene into what's real. Wow. This sounds kind of fruity, doesn't it? Well, to the world, it doesn't to me. But it sounds like, wow, I don't know what they're talking about over there, NNC. But that's real. I need to set my eyes on the unseen because that's real. What I see is a facade. It's a mirage. You know what a mirage is? Right? You're walking in the desert. You're so thirsty that your mind makes up what is not there. Your mind envisions a palm tree (laughs) and some fresh water and a little water cooler right next to it already filtered. Meanwhile, you're, you're drinking out of a puddle that you found, but your mind fills in the blanks. This is a mirage. Jesus and his word is what's real. Everything else is either fake or must submit to his word. 
if it lines up with his word, then I believe it. If it doesn't line up with his word, then it's not real. I don't care what you say to me. I don't care what you show me. There's a danger in needing to see it to believe. We need to believe without seeing. Because when we force God to see it, to believe it, we are already into this weird place of intellectualism, perception, the mind. We need to be spirit. Anybody ever seen your spirit? Do you believe you have one? Do you believe that God is spirit? Because that's what my word says. Well, if he is spirit and I'm made in his image, that means that this body that you see here is not really me. It's just skin upon me. I was me before I was me, and I'll be me after I was me. Wow, that's a weird thing to think about. The Bible says that they urged him to, to come and stay with them and eat with them. And in verse 30, it says they sat down to eat. And Jesus, he broke some bread and he blessed it. And, and he gave it to them. And it says, and suddenly, verse 31, their eyes, everybody say, our eyes were opened. Right? There was a moment. I was just thinking about Tony. You remember Tony? Everybody remember Tony, right? He um, had many experiences with the Lord and, and had already been walking with God. And, uh, and I've been believing for this not, just another level for him. Believing that God's just going to take him to this place, a deeper place, relationship with him. And he calls me one day. He's driving up to the Catskills, and he was going to his land, and something just happened, a road to Emmaus. Uh, 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 he wasn't Saul, right, but that kind of experience where his eyes, like a scales, came off, and he could see Jesus in another way, another level. Who remembers the change, too? Like, I mean, he was already Tony. We loved him, and he loved God and loved his word, but something just radically I was just, the Lord was reminding me of that uh, last night and this morning of how once this happens, once his eyes were opened, there's another level, isn't there? Nothing else, just everything else, everything in this world, things, even then he went through some trials we know and the Lord's with him, right? We're still believing for his healing. But all of it was like, well, whatever. Not saying that he's accepting it, but... It didn't, this life suddenly didn't matter as much, did it? And it says they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. Verse 32 says, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? See, God had given them the framework for true vision. Finally, when their eyes were opened, they were opened not because they could see him break the bread, right? But because they suddenly connected the picture that Jesus was giving them with the scriptures, and the Bible says that their eyes were opened. Verse 35, it says, the two from Emmaus, they told their story to the other disciples. And verse 36 says, as they just, 
as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them, and he said, Peace be with you. The whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Wow. Their eyes could see them, but they couldn't connect what they could see with their human eyes to Christ himself, right? There was, Jesus literally says, your hearts are filled with doubt. Even when their eyes could see him in the flesh, they still couldn't see him. Do you understand? Because they didn't have faith. Faith in Christ. See, I want to see God do many things. But I've seen many, 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 many miracles happen in people's lives and they still go off. Who can testify? We're believing for them and praying for them, right? All those ones. But somehow, doubt entered their hearts and even though they had seen God do things, somehow the thing became all that God is instead of God himself. And then it just does, you know, its power is gone. Jesus says, look at my hands, look at my feet, verse 39. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. So they can see him in his body, and obviously it wasn't a ghost, it was physical, because he encourages them to touch him. That would be like me leaving the room and coming back in the room, and it's not a, he wasn't in some, you know, we think of like a ghost of some sort of like, you know, you know, vapory type of body. He was literally standing there in the physical and their human eyes limited them. Doubt really was what was limiting them. And doubt causes you to perceive and think, right? So this is the thing. This is what I'm trying to get to. When Satan gets us into doubt, God could be doing miracles left and right, and you miss them. Who's ever gotten to a bad place with God? You've gotten into a time where you've got into doubt. You're just kind of sour with God. And God's actually doing things all the time. We might be focused on one thing we're asking him for. Meanwhile, he's done all these other things, which is all leading to that thing anyway. Amen? But our eyes have lied to us, and we don't see any of it. We don't see how we safely went here and safely went there. The angels watching over us doing this, right? Keeping your home safe, keeping you safe as you sleep, keeping the devil away from you. Right? Who remembers the world when he tormented you? Or times that you were away from the Lord allowed him to torment you, right? So, I mean, all of that is happening. Things you don't even understand. And doubt, though, causes a perception, a false sight. 
It says, verse 41, it's actually verse 40, as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41 says, still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. All right, fine, eat something, then I'll believe you. Then he said, verse 44, when I was with you before, I told you. What did he say? I told you. Who came in here with his word, whether it's in your iPad, your iPhone, your, your Android, whatever, right? Or in a book. Imagine carrying in a Bible that's in a book with pages. Who has your word? Whose word promises you that God is with you, that he has your best in mind, that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that he promised he would come once, he promised he will come again. Who has that word? And the devil wants us to focus on the minute details. Fine, go ahead and prove me to me that you're God. We get into this place, and it's really a bad place to be with God when we have to make God prove himself. God, do this miracle, and then I'll believe you more. Then I'll trust you more. God wants us in the place where we trust him, and then he does miracles. Amen. It says, Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds not to see humanly, but he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. The word is actually real vision. Again, let's go back to Eve. Who loves the Word of God? and Who loves its complexity, its simplicity, and its complexity simultaneously, right? Let's go back to Eve. God said, if you eat that fruit, you will die. Eve looked and saw and perceived and made a calculation within herself that what God said wasn't true and decided on her own and created a new false truth. Do you see that real vision is actually his word? Faith in his word, no matter what it looks like. You know, I think God did make that fruit look good. I think he did. I don't think it was to test them in that way. I think the devil did the tempting and the testing because my word says that God doesn't do it. He allows it, but he doesn't do it. But, you know, if your heart is so set on God, it doesn't matter how good it looks. It's not even in your mind. The devil got it in their mind and got them to focus on it, got them to 
think about it and calculate it. It really doesn't matter what it looked like because I don't go near that tree. God told me not to. God told me in his word he's faithful. So right now it looks like he's being faithful. He's not being faithful. But I don't judge my circumstances. I judge the word. Wow, this is so hard, isn't it, on our flesh? I'm praying and believing that person's going to be saved. The devil's telling me every day it's not going to happen. But I believe his word. My word says if I pray in his name, I'm going to see it. My word says if I believe, put my faith and trust in him, and keep praying, even my whole family will be saved. Amen. It says in verse 46, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. We'll get deeper into this next time. But see, the Lord was bringing them to a place of real faith, the faith that we must have. I want to close with this. Who remembers Doubting Thomas? Now, it's not fair to call him Doubting Thomas because actually Thomas was the only, he was the one who said in the scriptures, let us go and die with him. You know, that's an exact quote of Thomas. So we call him Doubting Thomas, but he told all the disciples, come on, rally them together, let's go and die with Christ. So it's not fair. But this is what it says, John chapter 20, verse 25, and I'll wrap up with this. And this is just joined together, right? Because Luke and John, they're all writing accounts. You can see that this would have been all part of the same account that we're, we're, we just read about. So John adds something that Luke doesn't. John must have had a thing in for Luke or something. Because he's like, oh, but Luke, by the way, I mean, right? I mean, uh, but Thomas, by the way, he was a doubter, right? Luke says they all doubted. John's like, no, it was just, it was just Thomas. It says, they told him, we have seen the Lord, verse 25, John 20, verse 25, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Unless I can see it with my own eyes and put my fingers into the nail holes and I want to put my hand into the wound in his side, then I'll believe. Verse 27, Jesus appears suddenly as they were together, and Thomas, he says to him, go ahead, I heard you, because what you didn't realize is, is that I'm with you always, like I said. And Thomas, I could hear you when you said it. You didn't see me, but I was there, and so now I've entered the scene, but I'm not any more real now than I was before. Do you understand this? Jesus is no more real when we see him than in the unseen. He is the same Jesus. He is not a ghost. The spirit is not some sort of misty kind of dreamlike place. It's just hidden from your human vision. But Jesus is just as real right now at this very second as he will be when the clouds split apart and Acts 1 talks about it and he comes back again. Jesus is with us in this room right now, and we need to believe it more than ever. And he said, Thomas, go ahead. I'm going to let you do those things. I'm going to let you 
see with your eyes, perceive with your hands, he said, but don't be faithless any longer believe. Verse 28, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. But 29 says something very interesting. It says, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now, yes, everybody in this room, if you are a believer, right, we believe without seeing. But it must really be the foundation to our entirety of our faith, that everything we believe is that, Lord, I believe I'm going to see it, but even if these human eyes don't see it, that doesn't mean you haven't already done it. It doesn't mean it's not real. You, outside of time 2,000 years ago on the cross, you said, I'm healed. You said, I'm set free. You said, I go to prepare a place for you. You said, I'm with you. And Lord, your word says that I'm, Lord, not just that you're with us, but I'm with you, seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. Those are not natural eyes and ears, but that is a spiritual Lord, capacity to see it and hear, Lord, to understand. God, I pray that your word would be unraveled, that we would see its mysteries. Lord, not just for its mystery, but so that, Lord, we would have greater faith and that we would cleave to you even tighter, that we would hold on to you, Lord, even more. Because things in the scene, Lord, we know they're, they're going to change. Things are already changing. And, Lord, we are not going to be rocked. Our faith is not going to be shaken. But, Lord, we're going to look beyond what is seen into the unseen and hold on to you. And, Lord, we thank you. And we just celebrate it again, Lord, on this week after Easter, remembering that you are coming again. You were resurrected, and we were resurrected with you. But soon, Lord, soon, that sky is going to open and you are returning. And we just thank you, Lord, and we pray the prayer Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.